0: Say, Dave, do you know that One Direction had the number one stadium tour this year? No. Do you know that YouTube won't make the same licensing deal with the indie labels that it does with the majors? They won't know that Vivo only airs videos from Sony and Universal and does not censor any material?
1: Hey Steve, how do you know all this stuff?
0: Because last semester I tuned into Music Biz 101 and more on Wednesday nights at 8pm on WPSC Brave New Radio and heard industry guests talk about all of this stuff.
1: That's that cool show from the Music and Entertainment Industry Management Department on campus that you can call in or tweet questions about the Music
0: Biz, right? It's the only one in the country and it's a Stitcher Radio podcast as well. Wow, so the show airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I bet they have great guests lined up. I'd like to learn more about touring using social media and DIY stuff. Just coincidentally, the semester show will include tour manager Dave Laurie, social media whiz Sean Rosenberg, and from Clifton, Sean and Rachel from Blue Raven Entertainment. When's that show on again? Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Live only on 88.7 WPSC Grave New Radio, and, and it's free.
1: Today you're listening to Music Biz 101 More. We're listening to the Ally Mac Project, The World Is Ours, she was our theme song winner and this is Music Biz 101 More on Brave New Radio 88.7 WPSC. I am your professor David Kirkville, alongside my favorite doctor in the world, Dr. Stephen. It hurts. So, don't do that anymore. The greatest joke ever to make with a, with a doctor like Stephen Marconi is the doc. Every time I go to the doctor, every time I do this, it hurts. So The doctor says, Don't do that
0: anymore. Boy. <sighs> anyway, welcome. <clears throat> welcome. It's a great show tonight. We have a special guest, actually. You going to do the honors, or should I do the honors? You do
1: the honors on who it's going to be, then we'll okay. do the rest of our intro.
0: Yes, we have a special guest, a longtime booking agent. We haven't had any booking agents on the national scene on yet on uh, the show. And we have Adam Kornfeld from Artist... Artist Group International. Group International. <laughs> I couldn't remember the second word. And you can just say AGI and you'll be cool. Yes. And Adam is a uh, former student of mine and a longtime friend. Back when you were
1: in Syracuse?
0: Yes. He graduated, I believe, around 1981, 82, somewhere in there. And he's been an agent his entire career. And uh, he's one of the few people besides uh, Harvey Leeds that I know that has had only one employer his whole career. Wow. That is interesting. Yeah, we'll talk to him about that. Because that's, that's
1: a rare thing. I was with uh, Polygram Records and then Universal Poly- Polygram, and I made it through and made it 16 years, and I never th- was unsure if that counted or not, but then I left. So, I, <laughs> But my brother's been with Prudential wow. for 25-plus yeah, years. Yeah, I could
0: see it in those kind of fields, but this in the entertainment field is very rare because there's no stigma to having four jobs in two years.
1: I had a great conversation with a woman... Uh, Tonight, we, we went to a meetup in Clifton, New Jersey, mm-hmm. music industry, New Jersey meetup with a woman, uh, Carla Lipinski, who is, uh, I think she's the general manager of OK Good Records. And she was uh, talking about, uh, she was recently speaking with a guy uh, who is running a startup, and he used to be a major like bigwig in the industry. She couldn't believe she was talking with this guy, because maybe five years ago, he would never speak with her. And now he's working with a startup, and he's, you know, hmm talking Yeah, lower. right. So um,
0: goes around, comes around. Yeah, certainly works True. that way.
1: Uh, <laughs> we should let you know this is, as we said, Music Biz 101 and More. It's the only free advice college radio music and entertainment biz talk show and podcast in todos los Americas. We have a producer, and his name is, is Philip Gorachovsky. <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> oh, we have a student co-host today. His name is Tim Geisen. Tim Geisen. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
1: Yes, Tim has nothing more to say to you tonight. But you're going to hear some Tim Geisen in a little bit. He has been the composer of our jingle that you hear about halfway through the show every week. And you should know that you can tweet us right now. Any questions you have for Adam Kornfeld, Kornfeld, Uh, tweet us at musicbiz101wp. We're always on Instagram, musicbiz101wp. We're on Snapchat, Professor Philp. We're on the Stitcher Radio mobile app, and you can always sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. One final thing. We should thank the last guest we had, George Dassinger, PR guru, was on the air with us. Two weeks ago.
3: Correct.
1: And George, since uh, he and his media use in the Music and Entertainment History class, have gotten some nice PR for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably in NorthJersey.com. They have a Radio Waves column, and they uh, did a nice little write-up about us and our brave a contest, which we will talk about at the end of the show.
0: And our corrector correct you, it was three weeks ago. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Three weeks, 21 days have
1: passed. <laughs> our guest is called in. Stephen Marconi, take it away with Adam
0: Kornfeld of AGI. Adam. Oh, Adam Okay, Hello, Dr. Marconi. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> How are you? And that was some game last night, I take it.:
4: uh, It was a great game, and it is great to talk to you as well.
0: Ah, now I'm here with my co-host, Dave Philp and the producer of the show, Philip, and a student uh, co-host too here, Tim. So Hello, Dave, we're, Philip and Tim. Yes. Hello, Adam. So Hi. we're all here in this little room here and uh let's get started just by saying quickly, how did you get started doing what you do?
4: How did I get started doing what I do? Um well, I am a booking agent. A, a, you know, I book concerts, but I mean I really started um I mean, if I really go all the way back in high school, I interned at record companies during the summer. Um, And frankly, I really thought as a teenager, as someone 15, 16 years old, that record company was kind of the only job in the music business. I mean, it just kind of made sense. Um, When I got out of college, um, I was lucky enough. To be able to have an interview at uh, ICM uh, still a big agency to this day and they had they were one of the full service agencies that had a training program uh, to become an agent the training program really meant at the time was that you worked in the mailroom, and when an opportunity came up they threw you in
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, so I literally started in the mailroom room uh, out of college and uh, at, at ICM, pushing a cart around the office. Um, an opportunity came up. I became an assistant to an agent, which are really the only two jobs, basically, at a talent agency now is either you're an agent or you're helping someone be an agent. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, and so I, you know, started out as an assistant, and a few years later, you become an assistant for a. a an agent who books clubs, then you move up and become an assistant to someone who books theaters, then you become an assistant to someone who books arenas, Um, and I just kept moving up and up and up, and one thing led to another, and it took a few years, and they gave me a desk and let me started booking, I started booking colleges, and um, moved on from there.
0: Ah, so how did you get noticed as a intern, not basically an intern, but a mailroom type person how did you separate well, yourself I, from... I
4: actually i actually do have a funny story about that um because i was in the mailroom and i wanted to become an assistant that was the next step up um and i was an assistant after college for five months um and looking back you know it's, it, at the time it seemed like forever of course now it was a, a blink of the eye but i noticed that the assistants in the music department Uh, who were in a big pool area, but a bunch of them, they were not uh, allowed to go to lunch together. Half of them could go at one time and another half could go at another, and that upset them. So when I heard that, I said to them, you know what, I have an idea. Everybody go to lunch, and I'll watch all your phones. And they loved that, and they went for it. So, like, these six people or eight people, they were able to go out to lunch together, and I ran around this pool and answered everybody's phones, And the agents didn't always go out to lunch every day. They would work through lunch sometimes. So I got to know the agents. When the first opening came up, they thought of me to say, Hey, who's that guy at lunchtime that helps us? We like him, right? So that's how I got my break as an assistant.
0: Ah, yes. So you packed a lot of things in the first three minutes here. One is that you had this passion since high school to get into the music business. Correct?
4: Absolutely, yes. I... I wanted to be in the music business from, uh, from when I was much younger than that. I, remember, I mean, I used to listen to American Top 40, to Casey Kasem's Countdown, and just be fascinated by the Countdown itself. And when I found out, I think I was, I was 12 years old, when I found out that Casey Kasem's Top 40 was based, on when it came out of the billboard charts that was published that i could buy billboard magazine in new york city i was actually able to get casey casem's countdown a week before he said it on the air (laughs) i could listen i could not only learn all about the business by reading billboard but i'm sitting there listening to casey casem's countdown knowing everything he was going to say because i had it right in front of me seven days earlier (laughs) so i love
0: that that's great yeah and the second thing you said was that, uh, well, I think in passing, but you should give a little, if you would, to the audience, uh, the uh, structure of a large agency and how they work, you know, with the different territories, et cetera, et cetera.
4: Well, yeah, you know, when I went to ICM, and this would be true of agencies like William Morris now, ICM, CAA. Uh, paradigm, perhaps, but uh, the agency was structured territorially, um, and also by type of show. You know, there was a club agent, there was a mid-level like theater agent, and there was a guy booking arenas. Um, it's changed a little bit now that it's a little more specialized and the major acts have what's called an RA or responsible agent that really oversees everything and kind of probably wants to be more hands-on and is not necessarily utilizing a territorial agent. So it really depends, you know, for the superstars, they're probably being or, you know, for the bigger artists, they're being, uh, booked by the RA, by the responsible agent, um, but at large agencies, other middle acts, mid acts, developing acts, new acts that need a lot of attention and time are booked more territorially by someone who specializes, if you will, in a in an area. You know, it's hard if you're booking clubs, for example. Um, you know, there are a lot of clubs in a lot of places and. And the turnover, clubs change and they move, and and there's just a lot of fluctuation in that in that market. So to have someone specialize in maybe a six or eight or ten state region, um, you know, is important in some of the larger agencies.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm I remember back that can be a uh, fairly political animal too, can it be? I remember back when I I think I was on I uh, in I think it was ICM actually. And uh, we were assigned. Uh, we RA was an agent, and uh, there were certain territories we didn't play because that agent didn't get along with the agent in that other territory. So if you were one of this responsible uh, groups,
4: that's a yeah, that's a horrible story. Actually, <laughs> that 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 would I hope would be an exception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is that's. Uh, That, I would hope, is an an exception. But yes, you do, at a large agency, much the way back in the day at a large record company, the band, be it the manager or the band itself, has to really champion themselves Mm -hmm. within the company. You don't just sign to a record company and go, okay, make me a star, or go to an agency, okay, now that you signed me, you know, call me in a month with with the tour and let me know. <laughs> you know. You have to champion yourself too, and and help. You know, you have to get your agent psyched up. You have to demonstrate that there's a reason to be on the road. And what are you guys doing to? You know, first of all, what's the reason to be on the road?
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: and it can't. You know, you know, and you have to have a plan behind it and a reason and why are we going to certain cities and playing? You know, and then there has to be some thought put into it um and you have to champion yourself to the agents so they know that that it's a team effort and everyone's involved
0: mhm mhm okay tell us about agi
4: agi is uh, you know in in one form or another we're about 25 30 years old uh still considered a uh independent booking agency um small you know boutique agency we have seven agents um, which is actually up from 5 last year so mm-hmm. we're growing um, slowly but surely um, and uh you know it's a fun it's a it's a fun smaller uh non corporate uh, agency but really at the moment more you know core music booking Uh, Concert booking as opposed to uh, full service, what they call full service agencies, such as uh, CAA or or William Morris that, you know, represent, uh, represent you in film and motion pictures and and in other areas where more, more, more concert focused.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And some of your groups or artists. Uh,
4: AGI, we represent. In in no particular order, some of the artists I represent include uh, Billy Joel, and Rod Stewart, um, Metallica, uh, Rush, and Motley Crue, and Def Leppard, and Neil Young, and Muse, and Elvis Costello, and uh, Yes, and uh <laughs> so, those are a few that come to mind right off
0: right now do you have any younger ex or any breaking acts
4: there yes there's um you know actually speaking of uh the company developing um um and 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 growing and, and bringing in more people we have brought in some people and yes we are starting and that that is that is Obviously, something important to continue to revitalize the roster with younger acts. And uh, the answer is yes, we're doing that. And a band, for example, that has broken in the past year, it's continuing with a new record coming soon, is a band like Hollywood Undead that that are doing great. And another band that has broken in the past year is Volbeat, um, that have really gone to another level in active rock. So there are bands like that that are starting to break from our roster.
0: I mm-hmm. guess. So, okay, with the, um, I guess with the organization of Live Nation, which has around been around for years now, but prior to that, of course, it was a different business as conference promoters were all in, independent. How has the booking agent's job changed?
4: It's changed drastically. Um, I mean, it's changed on a number of levels. Um, you know, first of all, how you conduct business is obviously very different. Um, you know, uh, my office, my office used to have typewriters. Uh, we used to have typewriters and and fax machines, which we don't we don't have those things anymore. But aside from how you do the business, what's really changed is that it really has become a business,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and we thought it was thirty years ago. You know. We thought it was a business, kind of, and it was—it was independent promoters, entrepreneurial guys working hard, um, making money, doing their thing. And yes, it was a business, but now it's now the corporations have taken over. Now it's become a much bigger game. The numbers are completely different. Um, you know, ticket prices were five dollars. <laughs> now right. they're three hundred dollars. There's a lot more money that's being split up um there's a lot more money in the pot a lot more money that has to be accounted for um, so our jobs have have they've really changed we're talking um on the bigger level um we're talking you know on the on the theater uh, arena stadium major tour level um we're talking about a lot of money we're talking about millions and millions of dollars mm-hmm, sure. um and so it's, it's not a game anymore. It's a serious business. There are a lot of people involved. There's a lot of um, checks and balances and accounting. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also a business.
0: Mm-hmm. So, for example, with a Rod Stewart tour, uh, what is your role then? If he's going out on tour for six months, 21 cities, what, uh, what role do you play in that?
4: I mean, we are the people who, you know, as boring as it sounds, uh, physically route the tour from city to city, uh, figuring out where we're going to play on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. All, you know, based around arenas schedules such as the NBA, NHL, uh, circuses, and other things, and figuring out the schedule. But so what, what we really do is work on the deal for our artists, figure out how much Rod's going to get paid based on figuring out the ticket prices, figuring out the gross potential, figuring out the expenses to run the night and trying to make them as low as possible, expenses being everything from renting the arena to advertising to marketing, uh, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, and trying to make the best deal uh, for your artist, and overseeing it, and overseeing the marketing and on-sale of the show, um, overseeing the paperwork and the contracts and deposits of so, the show. So if it's uh, a
0: if it's a total Live Nation tour, then you still have a role, even though he'll be playing oh, in very, <clears throat> in Live very Nation, so. you know, Live Nation venues whether they're leased Very or owned so. or whatever.
4: Very much so, because it is, it is important for us as agents to help oversee how the artist is dealt with on a, on a local, on an individual basis.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: we have to still oversee that the ticket prices are what we expect them to be, that the advertising is still what we expect it to be, and that they're using the, mater- the approved materials, and they're using it in the right way, and on the right stations, and... You know, we have to monitor the on-sale dates and make sure that a date we go on sale, there isn't other aren't other shows going on sale that weekend, mm-hmm. and monitor the traffic, and so you really have to. We micromanage each show um, to avoid problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing you want is an unhappy artist or an unhappy manager saying, "Hey, you know how come?" So and so, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Marketing wise, why? Why did we go on sale the same day as the Rolling Stones? You know, mm-hmm. you have to you have to make make sure that uh, the market's clear. So that's part of what we do. Where but we're, we're traffic cops for each show.
0: So Live Nation would then represent the promoters, and you would represent the artist. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes,
4: it's the promoters. Promoters are obviously running the venue and they're putting up the money, but we still want to uh, to be on top of, of how the artist is marketed. It's not up to the promoter to decide um, you know what picture to use, um, what song to use in the ad. you know we supply that stuff so it's done the way we want it to be done, the way the artist wants it to be done,
0: mm-hmm. Now Billy Joel's a special case with this Madison Square Garden um, every month and so on and so forth. So does, what a
4: wonderful, what a wonderful thing that is has become. It's just, it's just wonderful. Yeah,
0: it's great. Uh, would now does he need a booking agent once one month is booked if it's no. going to be the same venue and same More setup stuff. and so on?
4: More. More so than than yes, mm. uh, because, I mean, it's the way these are have been marketed and put on sale and, and the oversight that's been put into this, it's kind of, if it was just as easy as putting one on sale and putting the next on sale, then, then the answer is, you know, anybody could do it, but that's not, there's a, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And since this has started, it's grown into more and more, and there's, there's more uh sponsorship involved there's more you know things that have developed now with uh, with msg and the MSG network and now how they're uh, utilizing Billy on the network so there's been a lot to oversee um, with the, which each with each on sale and announcement and how it's marketed and yeah now we've sold out two years 24, 24 shows it's wow. really <laughs> it's really unprecedented it's just it's 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 really a wonderful thing
0: and he can go to bed and sleep in his own bed after each show if bad. he wants to i know yes not bad at all okay dave had a question and
4: it's a, you know to have to have a residency uh in new york city is one thing to have it at madison square garden yeah. you know at the world's most famous arena like yeah, it's, it's really just, great it's it it couldn't be better. Yeah. It couldn't be better. He is, you know, they market the garden we've marketed it as a franchise. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's the Knicks, there's the Rangers, there's Liberty, there's Billy Joel. It's it's, <laughs> it's terrific.
1: Now hey Adam, it's Dave. So uh, ha- explain your interaction between as the uh, responsible agent with with the label with the artist manager. Uh, ha- who are you dealing with? I'm assuming you're not well, I don't know. Are you dealing with the artist that much, or is it mostly with the manager? Can you kind of get into, and is it just case by case?
0: Sure,
4: sure. Well, it is. It is different with every artist, um, for sure. And some artists I'm very close with. Other artists, a bit more of arm's length, uh, and and in between with others. But generally, my instructions and my you know comes from lots of discussions and back and forth with. With, with the manager or management, um, you know, in my level of input, sometimes they want me to do everything and sometimes they tell me exactly what they want to do and I have to execute. There's all, 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 all different, uh, uh, every band's different, but you know, generally the manager is who you're talking to.
1: And could you please explain? Because I'm sure there are some people listening. The difference between you and the manager. There are probably some people saying, "Well, why do I need one or the? Why don't I just get Adam? Why do I need a manager?" Kind of explain the difference between an agent and a manager.
4: Yes, you very much need a manager. The manager manager hires me, um, and I am a piece of the puzzle. Um, And touring and the booking of shows. Is a very important piece of that puzzle, um, but for a manager, there are many other responsibilities. Other responsibilities include things like recording and negotiating with a record company, or dealing with all things regarding recording, regarding um, you know image and artwork, and and the selling of the artists in other areas, and, and, you know, whether merchandising and, you know, uh, T-shirt sales and all that and all these things, the manager is, is the center of everything. Um, and an agent is an important piece of that puzzle, as is the artist's lawyer, as is the artist's accountant, or other important people on the team.
1: What about VIP packages? At that point is that a combo between you and the artist and the manager? Uh, who's coming up with the ideas and who's getting paid?
4: Uh well, the VIP packages now what's what's really happening is um it's the the artists are now being finally being compensated for what you know used to be called like like scalping. What used to be considered scalping is now legitimized by um VIP packages uh, that allow the artist to participate um, you know in that in that revenue stream. Yeah. And yes, that is definitely something that an agent and manager both help negotiate and facilitate um, for their artists. and there's many different types of VIP packages now, um, and it's really. All about what an artist feels uh, he, she, or they are willing to uh, willing to do for the VIP package, and what you get, you know, what you get for the VIP package. It's really just a question of value. If someone determines that it's that there's a value to it, to some people it's it's too expensive, and to other people they're they're craving VIP packages. So
0: hmm uh John Cher one time said that uh, when asked who sets the price of tickets uh he was with ch- uh, tongue in cheek, but he said the scalper sets the price of tickets. Do you believe that in any uh you know in any form?
4: Well, um with some of the platinum and VIP packages now available online uh to a degree the consumer does. Set the price um you know uh so for the best seats in the house that could be true now um and
3: mm-hmm. you know, when you
4: go online you people are bidding for for exact locations and um you know, whatever extras go with that uh that that an artist or a venue or both are willing to offer
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now in terms of uh ticketing Uh, it's gotten so complex that uh, and because we have computers, it's uh, right up to the moment. You can see how tickets are selling and there are adjustments to the house, aren't they? An adjustment to the, to the scaling of the house as the tickets are being sold. Uh,
4: Yeah, that is true. Well, you first, at first you said it was more complex in some, it's, it's complex, but at the same time, it's also easier.
3: Mm-hmm. I would
4: I would say lately it is much easier to buy tickets online, and people feel more comfortable buying tickets online and from various new apps that are available. And I think that is one reason. I think that does help ticket sales now. I think people aren't as afraid to push the button and buy tickets.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was referring to uh, we had um, Donna Eichmeier. Eichmeier from Live Nation here last week uh, talking. She was saying how that she has to monitor the sale of tickets and sometimes uh, Section 102, which was going to be X amount of dollars. But the way they're selling, they changed the price of that of that section that is true. right that during is true. the sale.
4: Yes, they call it. Flex ticketing,
0: exactly. Yeah,
4: and it's a simple theory. I mean, uh, when you know, before tickets go on sale to a show, each seat has to be assigned a ticket price, of course. So as tickets are sold, you know, it it, it has a price, and so you look at a, a seating diagram and a map, and you see that certain sections. You know, or $100, and other sections are $50, and whatever, you get higher and higher, they go lower and lower. Um, But there are times when perhaps the perceived value of a ticket is misjudged, and you find yourself selling tickets so fast at the top ticket price, and people aren't interested in buying the second or third ticket price. They're buying what's called from front to back. They're trying to buy the best seats possible. Um, that that is a way
3: to mm. somehow
4: to sometimes generate a little extra income by flexing a few seats that may have been the the second price and make them the first price. So you're extending the the top price by a row or two or three um, to earn a little more money. That does that that does happen, and it's very similar what happens in other businesses, be it airlines or hotels. Yeah. That's that's the way they're all, that's Mm -hmm. the way the computer kind of does that. It's just, um, it happens, it's been happening in those businesses forever. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
4: It's it's taken the concert business a little longer to catch up.
0: Right. So, in other words, you could be at a, uh, at Hilton and the guy in the room next to you might have paid a little less or a little more and it's the same thing True to be at a concert, that the guy maybe a row behind you is paid a little, a little less, or even a little more than you did. That is possible. Yes. Interesting.
1: A quick question for you about uh, genres: Is it different booking a tour for, say, a rock artist versus a R and B artist or hip hop or reggae? Do you find any differences among genres that makes it easier or harder, or just different to book and route tours?
0: Or Metallica versus Rod Stewart.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Well, okay, see, Metallica and Rod Stewart, as different as they are, um, you know, musically and fan base-wise, what they have very much in common is, um, aside from being both superstars, you know, is that they are playing similar venues or the same exact venues, and, and, and often cases being – sometimes being marketed the same way. Um, I mean, they're both rock and roll. acts. There's obviously a difference to way you market Rod Stewart and Metallica. But, you know, both are playing Madison Square Garden and, and, and the NBA and NHL major arenas of the U.S. So there's a lot of similarity there um, in booking them. Um, now, if it's very genre-specific, you know, when you said – you know, if it's R&B, um, you know, I've we represented as an agency for many years, we represented Luther Vandross. Now, Luther Vandross, again, a superstar who was booked much the same way as Rod Stewart and Metallica are in the very much the same venue, so that was very similar. Now, if there was something a little more um, genre-specific, uh, you know, you might... Be looking for for certain opportunities and in different situations, than someone you know that is playing similar venues. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I consider a lot of the people that that we represent. We're booking them as rock and roll acts, and we're booking them in in the biggest venues uh, in America. What what about
1: what about festivals? How much uh, are you looking at festivals and booking acts there versus individual venues? Is that Act specific, or are festivals a bigger part of what you do now?
4: Festivals are becoming more and more uh, a obviously a bigger part of, of everyone's life in the music business because they are they are just becoming uh, more of the norm. Um, not more the norm. There are there are many there are many more there are many festivals now that are. Completely legit, from city to city, coast to coast, and I'm not just talking about the three or four major, major ones that everyone knows about, but but even on 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 regional levels now, there are just so many more festivals, and of course, you know, uh, many of our artists are involved in that. Be it, you know, be it uh, a Billy Joel playing New Orleans Jazz Fest or Bonnaroo, um, or Metallica uh, headlining Rock in Rio. Um, or things like that. So or some of, but then there are younger artists and bands we represent, such as uh, uh, Cage the Elephant and Band of Horses, and, and that are playing many other festivals. So yeah, so you know, yes, festivals are a big part of the concert business now, and and will be for some time. It's it's developing and growing, and and the the good ones, uh, they run well, and people. People want to go. People want to be part of something that big. So, it's working. That model is definitely working.
1: Okay. Uh, Tim Geison, who is our student co-host, has a question for you via tweet. We have a lot of tweet questions from listeners for you tonight, Adam. Okay. So, Tim, give it. take it away.
2: All right. Um, <clears throat> Matt Guglielmo asks, Do you have any advice for unsigned bands who want to jump on a tour with bigger, already established touring acts?
4: Do I have any advice for an unsigned band? You said. Yes. Who wants to jump on a tour? The the answer is the advice is there is absolutely no reason for an unsigned band to be on a tour. Mm. Um, and I, I would consider that a complete waste of the band's time. Um, an unsigned band should be worried about building a fan base, and you don't you don't build a fan base by getting by touring the country you build a fan base you build a fan base by working locally and when locally you know it could you could start from a five-mile radius to a 50-mile radius but play some shows and get some people to come back to see you and get some people who will eventually want to buy a t-shirt or might spend some money for a CD or a download locally before you're worrying about going from Cincinnati to Cleveland to Detroit that's useless because you, as a young unsigned band, will never generate interest from the local from local radio and local press if you're coming through on another on a on, on a tour. And and a band is not going to take you on tour because you add nothing to the bill.
0: And besides that, how much would that young band make per show?
4: Zero. It Zero. would cost them. It would probably cost them a couple thousand dollars a night.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Just
4: getting from city to city. There's no reason to do that.
2: Okay. Uh, from Valerie Marie, what kinds of consequences are there for under or overestimating the size of the venue that your artists can sell tickets for?
0: Mm, good question.
4: Uh, yeah. Um, well, that's certainly my job to try to put my artists in situations um, where they can sell out or come close to selling out. Um, that's, you know, you, an artist never wants to walk into an empty venue. Um, selling out is okay, and keeping people guessing how many, you know, selling out and, and having people wonder how many people you could have done is an okay thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's okay to have some people outside of a club or outside of a theater that can't get into a show sometimes. Um but yeah, a half-empty house is no good. It's my job to make sure that does not
1: happen. Do you use a lot of things like analytics or, or, or do you have specific programs that you use so you can tell? Uh, you know, last time the artist was playing a 1,000-seat venues and, and we think we can get him up to 2,500 this tour. Is, is a lot of it gut? Or are you looking at social? What are you looking at when you try and take the artist that next step?
4: Well, we certainly have the history. We know... What we've done in the past, exactly where we played, uh, what day of the week it was, what time of year it was, uh, what the capacity was, ticket prices, how fast we sold. Um, we even can get zip reports of where we sold the tickets geographically. Sometimes that's helpful to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take that info, uh, and 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 you know that's 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 part of the equation of where you know you always want to. Every play that you make, every show that you book, you're not just doing it for that show, but you're doing it with the next couple shows in mind. Why are we playing here? What's the step that we're taking to get from this to get from this 500 seater to the thousand seater to the 3,000 seater, et cetera, et cetera? What are the steps? What do we have to do? Um, so that very much goes into the into the thought process.
2: Okay, from Uh, Tona Vaz as a promoter slash talent agent what are you looking for in a band?
4: Uh, To uh, meaning what makes me interested in signing a new band Um, it's not just usually one person's decision unless you really have a strong gut for some reason about the artist it's more of a company decision we sit and we talk about it but it's um Aside from the music itself, it's who's involved and what kind of uh, potential and future we see for the band. Because, frankly, young bands, there's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of time, and time is money. Um, So you really have to believe in something and have a, a reason. And belief is not just, oh, I like it. But belief is, oh, I know that record company, or I know that manager and that record company. I believe in that team. They they've done this before. Or you know, or something or this city is happening and these this you know, this band is following the footsteps of this and there's a trend going on here or you're seeing a band break locally or you're always looking for some kind of an edge. It's you know, it's not just gut. Gut is a complete waste of time. Um, you know, it's nice to want to book what you like, but um, you need a lot more than that.
2: Okay. Uh, Joel Filippi says, this may be a dumb question, but do you handle booking shows internationally or just in the U.S.? If so, what's the difference?
4: No, that's not a dumb question at all. No, no, no. Um, And the answer is, we represent some of our artists internationally, not all. There are international booking agencies um, mostly based in London, that book outside of North America, artists. Uh, we represent some of our artists. For example, Billy Joel, we represent everywhere in the world. Um, and there's various reasons. There are other artists we represent just in North America um, on the superstar level. On the club level and younger level, um mm-hmm. Most artists would be handled by international agencies because booking on a club level, uh, you know, it's it's really hard to keep track of all the clubs in Uruguay. Um, So you know, you need you know, there's a lot of countries out there. It's it's pretty tough to keep track. um, So you really need specialists uh, on that level.
2: Okay, from Yasmin Azir. Being a booking agent, do you already have go-to venues or do you have to find different venues for each artist?
4: Uh, well, a little of both. Um there are uh, I mean, I'm always there are always new venues and I'm always learning about new venues and there are always new venues opening um and old venues closing. But, you know, uh, I certainly know every NBA and NHL and and nfl and you know (laughs) arena and stadium i know you know many college uh arenas and amphitheaters all over the country but then of course there's many theaters and clubs and casinos and performing arts centers Mm -hmm. and fairs and festivals um so uh i know you know the answer is i guess i i I know a lot of venues (laughs) yeah
0: do you have any interest in uh electronic dance music? I'm booking that. Do you see any interest in in the traditional music business?
4: Yeah, no, oh oh in in EDM absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at at the moment uh we are not currently huge in that space. Um, we're not big in I'd I'd like to Listen, I'd like to sign some country artists.
3: Mm-hmm. I'd
4: like to there's some uh, that's 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 quite an expanding business at the moment. So yeah, no, we're, we're open to I'm open to all uh, possibilities, but at at the moment, uh, no, not not big on the dance scene.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, from Alexa Ray, how can an unknown artist get you to listen to music in a world that doesn't take unsolicited materials?
4: Well. I'll listen to something, but it doesn't mean I can really help because without an agent can't do an agent can't do his job without a, a full team, without a manager, um, and a team having there has to be a reason to be on the road and to tour. You don't go on the road to create the reason. The reason, mm. you know, it has to. It has to be more than just, okay, now I have an agent, so book me and make me famous. No, there ne- there needs to be more. There needs to be music. There needs to be songs. There needs to be a manager helping you form those and get that music out to people, which live is just part of the equation. Um, obviously, your online presence and social media presence is very important, and that's generally not something an, an, an agent is involved in. Um, so you need, you need more. You, I'm... I am a piece, an important piece, but I'm a piece of the puzzle, not the whole puzzle.
1: Here is our last tweet for you, Adam.
2: Okay, from Glass D. What is the most stressful thing about booking a show for an artist?
4: The most stressful thing, uh, which you try to eliminate as much as possible, and experience helps you do this, but when you're booking an artist, the most important thing is making sure your artist gets paid. Mm-hmm. And that's just something you have to, You have to, I have to make sure the artist gets paid, period.
1: Who are you talking to at that uh, point? Are you talking with the tour manager, or are you talking directly with the promoter?
4: No, the promoter. The tour manager is no, 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 it's with the promoter. I have to, when I make a deal with a promoter, when a promoter, when I confirm a deal to a promoter and there's an amount of money guaranteed, it's my job to make, you know, I have to make sure that the artist gets it. That's very, so that is very important. That may not, you know, be the, uh, the artistic answer, but that's, that's, that's one of the things I'm hired for, to make sure the artist gets paid.
1: And... And so, it, it, how, do, how does that work, though? I mean, at, at the end of a show, um, is, if you're physically not there, are you just looking, making sure that they're transferring oh, no, no, the no, funds? No, no, no.
3: I, if
4: there is, if there is, if there is even the remote question in my mind of any concern regarding the, a payment to my artist, it is taken care of months before the show even happens. Mm. I am. There is no way. I'm getting a call at midnight saying, hey, Adam, they're not paying me tonight. (laughs) I've taken care of that long, long before that. Long before that.
1: Okay. But
4: it's still an important part of my job and still something I have to make sure happens.
1: We have to take a real quick break, Adam. Is that all right with you? (laughs) Yeah. No problem. Okay. We'll be right back. Uh, we're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. We have to d- take a quick break. And when we come back, we will finish up with Adam Kornfeld. We'll t- also tell you about the Braveathon contest, which is over on March 3rd. Right back. Music Biz 101 and more.
2: How can I make money in the music business?
0: Why copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi, and me, Dave
1: Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the music management program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? This music is 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit,
2: I think. <laughs> if you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune into to WP88.7. Yeah. You're,
1: listening. you're listening you're listening you're listening you're listening to music biz 101 and more it is true you're listening to music biz 101 and more on brave new radio 88.7 i'm professor dave philp we're here with dr stephen marconi that is i and we have a uh, philip gorchowski behind the board he is our producer and of course tim Geisen. you just heard his little jingle his not little i don't want to make you feel short. that it means short, nothing. Short, a short, short, awesome jingle for Music Biz 1 and 1 and more. And Tim Geisen is the man, and he's here. So, uh, Steve, we still have Adam Kornfeld, the uh, booking agent for AGI on the line. Why don't you kind of finish up with Adam?
0: Yeah, Adam. It's been a great hour, actually, and we feel we could actually do another hour, actually. Uh, we would hope to have you back fairly soon. We haven't gotten into revenue splits and prices of tickets and... Uh, everything you've seen occur in the last twenty years, with the uh, the idea of trying to get the artist to get a bigger piece and a bigger slice of what's going on, uh, but it, uh, it's been fascinating. I think very, very much so for our listeners too. So we hope to have you back I, soon.
4: Uh, my my pleasure, and I I look forward to uh, to being invited back.
0: Great, great. Thank you, Adam. Much appreciated. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care.
1: Bye bye, that was really good because we actually were getting some tweets as uh we were talking, and people were tweeting me uh saying, "Wow," and using harsher language than that, but then saying, "This is a great show, yeah, this was uh one of our best. There's a ton of stuff that we still have to talk about with. yeah,
0: him. He's been you know doing it since about nineteen eighty two so we've seen such a change in this business, uh you know, where you used to tour to support the record. And that's the exact opposite, obviously. And uh, how to continue to beat whomever you have to beat to get your artists to get a bigger slice. Uh, Because artists were getting almost nothing in those days uh, for the amount of work that they would put into a show.
1: And when you talk about work, if you go back, you'll you'll hear the podcast. We'll have his podcast up probably in about 10 days. But what's great is he mentioned when he was in high school he was getting internships with record companies. Yeah, he
0: had the passion. Yes. I remember him as a uh, as a student, and he would always uh, he was a minor, would be what he was because he's not an uh, he's not a musician at all, and he would always come to me every semester. Okay, what can I take now? What can I take now? What can I take now? He was always very hungry, and uh, that was true. And he told me one time in eighth grade. He would buy Billboard every week. I mean, what eighth grader buys (laughs) Billboard every week? (laughs) But that was, uh, he had what we've been talking about here and on Tuesday nights is that passion to get into this business and then don't think of it as a job, but think of it as a career and fun.
1: And for those listening to us live right now, and even as a podcast, uh, you mentioned next Tuesday night because we do have Julie Greenwald, who is the COO chairperson of Atlantic Records. And she's actually going to be here at William Patterson, the university, speaking for two hours with our students, all about her career and everything she's doing at Atlantic. And the cool thing about that is it will be a podcast that we people will be able to listen to coming this June.
0: Yes, it's great.
1: Very exciting. And while we are talking about passion, while we're talking about opportunity with our last minute or so, we should bring up the Braveathon contest that we have. We have a one week left, and Braveathon is a 15 hour marathon of music that is happening on April 17th here at William Patterson's WPSC, Brave New Radio. And our contest is we can kick off Braveathon with Music Biz 101 and more at 9 a.m. and also at 10 a.m. We have two one hour slots that we are contesting off. To unsigned bands, or actually the Foo Fighters could go for this too. But we're we're auctioning this, not, no, we're having a contest to, uh, if you're uh, an individual, if you're a singer songwriter, if you're a rap group, whoever you are, whomever you are, you can enter our contest. Go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Send me an email, d. that's P H I L P, D, at W P U N J dot E D U. But reach out to us, hit us up on Twi- Twitter at musicbiz101wp. We're looking mainly right now for uh, a music video from you. It doesn't have to be the most produced thing, just a music video of you and your music. It could be a cover tune. If it's a cover tune, our suggestion would be make sure that it is a cover tune in the style of your music. And you also need to, if you enter this contest, make sure that you have at least 30 minutes of music that you could play. And the winner performs live at 9 o'clock and also 10 o'clock. And then the second half of the hour, you get to sit down with an interview live with Dr. Stephen Marconi and myself.
0: Be creative. Think outside the box.
1: Yes, exactly. And our friend Tim Geison, who is here. Tim, you are planning on entering this contest, aren't you?
2: Yeah, we're, we're trying to work on a video shoot for this weekend for the music video.
1: That is great. And Tim is a piano player, right, Tim? Yes, and you, you are, And you're con- when we talk about passion, you've got lots of gigs. You're, how many t- weeks, times a week do you gig?
2: Uh, two to four times a week. Which is great.
1: So instead yeah. of uh, sitting on your couch taking pictures of somebody's cat, you're actually going out and playing? Yes. Because you're a cool cat. Of course. That's what I'm saying.
0: So. We and ne- he's quite different on stage than he is in the studio here. He seems
1: very mellow here. He yes. is not mellow on stage. <laughs> and we, uh, You have actually seen in uh, some of our, uh, if you go to our website, you've seen some of our stuff and we have some video of him up there playing and we're going to get some more up there. Um, watch his right foot as he plays piano. It's very exciting. The left mm-hmm. foot. Oh, it's, the left foot. it's the left foot. Please don't ever contradict me live, Tim. And next
0: <laughs> week we have,
1: <laughs> uh, next week we have Harry Wang two-time Grammy winner Harry Wanger, who is a vice president of Universal Music Group, and mm-hmm. he's going to be talking all about reissues and producing for Motown and um, James Brown box sets and such. It's going to be very cool to Did hear. You what work he's doing. with him? I worked with him for 15 years at Hologram oh, wow. and Universal. Yes. So right now we want to thank you, Music Biz 101 and more. We have behind the board again, Philip. Gork- <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, our student co-host has been Mr. Tim Gysand. Tim Tim Gysand. And, of course, over there, clapping hardest is Dr. Stephen Marconi. Thank you very much. I am your professor, David Kirk-Philp, and we want to wish you, as always, the greatest of days, the greatest of lives, and, of course,
3: adios!